Hey, you're listening to an exclusive bonus episode of the Garv Roar Show. Two big things happened last night. One obviously being the World Series and two being that Joel Embiid fight with Carl Anthony Towns. I have our Sports Zone insider Casey to talk about this. I'll be interviewing him. So let's start the show. Welcome to the Garver Show. The Washington Nationals prevail. They are your 2019 World Series champions. And here today we have Casey, our baseball insider from Sports Zone today. Also, later in the show, stay tuned for our insights around the NBA. But first, I mean, where do we even begin? Four road wins in the World Series that never happened before. The oldest team in baseball and a team that started 19 and 31 in their first 50 games that took arguably the best team in baseball to 7 and 1. Casey, what are your initial reactions to this World Series championship for the Washington Nationals? I mean, first off, just from a baseball perspective, from a sports fan perspective, what a series, what a postseason. I'm just exhausted from watching it. Um, The Nationals go through. The Astros, it's Dynasty versus Destiny. The hot team versus the team that's supposed to win. We all expected the Astros to be here. I mean, it was just a matchup made in heaven. You hear people talk about how, oh, Dodgers, Yankees, because of market size, blah, blah, blah. I think baseball purists and fans know this is the best matchup we could have asked for, especially in terms of how hot uh, the Nationals were, excuse me, and then Houston with the young guys like Bregman, Correa, Altuve, they're always going to be fun to watch. So what a series. I mean, what a time of the year. Last night, and we'll talk about the Sixers when we move forward, but last night getting to watch the Sixers game, and then after the third quarter where there was the fight, which again, we'll get to, you get to go to that Game 7. I mean, anytime there's a Game 7, it's awesome. But a Game 7 that lives up to the hype of a Game 7 and continues to build off a tremendous series that we had prior uh, it's been great, but in terms of where we start, I think we got to go chronological order here, and it starts before the season. It started when Bryce Harper left the team. That's when the national story started. Everyone was piling on them. Oh, you lost Harper. The team will not be the same. It's the end. The window's closed. This team's going to have to break up, but they didn't. They stuck to it, and they even signed Corbin, and when they did that, you saw people saying, why are you throwing money at Corbin? You need to rebuild. You need to rebuild, but obviously, we see what happened, but anyway, we start the season, as Garv mentioned, 19-31, and 31, and swirling rumors of Davey Martinez. Should he be fired? Should he be let go? Is the core ready to break up? But they stuck to it. The pitching really helped them this year. And then Rendon, I mean, he's not going to win it, obviously. Everyone's focused on Bregman and Trout. But Rendon had MVP caliber numbers. I mean, he's just next tier below. The big three is Trout, Bregman, and Acuna. But right there is Rendon. So Rendon and the pitching staff really carried them this year. They had an Uh, an amazing second half to the season get themselves into the wild card home field advantage of the wild card and that's where the craziness begins so let's go into it and by the way if you want to check out more insight uh on sports zone today i just posted an article recapping the world series and basically the nationals run through the world series so if you want a little more insight from me go check that out also follow our instagram page at sports zone today for some great conversation and debate and just if you love sports you'll love the page but let's start with the wild card where this postseason run began. Uh, the Nationals had home field advantage against the Brewers, and that home field advantage was quickly taken with a home run by Yasmani Grandal in the first inning two-run shot off of Max Scherzer. 
and thus began the Nationals trailing in elimination games, which will be a theme throughout the postseason. Uh, we all know what happens in the game. Josh Hader comes in. It seems to be over for the Nationals yet again, another postseason. And with Rendon coming up on free agency, this is going to be it. This is it. But no, Strasburg comes in, holds it down in the pen. A great performance from him, and we'll continue to talk about him because he was a great story throughout this postseason. But the big story of that game, Juan Soto singles into right with the bases loaded. The error, of course. They take the lead. They win the game in the ninth. I mean, an improbable victory. No one expected that to happen. But that's the beauty of the postseason. You have to play the games on paper. Maybe one team should win, but you play the games. You never know what's going to happen. It's what makes baseball such a great sport, especially when there's stakes attached. But anyway, you move past that. They play the Dodgers going into it. The Dodgers were the best team in the National League. Everyone said, oh, that's great. You won a great wild card game. You earned the right to lose to the Dodgers. Well, the Nationals didn't really listen to the public opinion because they went in there knowing that in a short series, they were a dangerous team for the Dodgers because they had the pitching. With that big three, Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg, they could go against anyone, especially in a short series, and we saw that. They jump out, take a game in L.A., but then they fall down 2-1. And okay, people are saying, now it's time. The Dodgers are going to move on. They had a nice little run. They got a shocker game in game one, but that's going to be it. Nope. They turn around, they bring it back 2-2. Again, trailed in the game where they were facing elimination in game four. Doesn't matter. They come back, take the lead, win the game, force game five. Moving on to game five is where we start another trend that I want to look at, and that's facing the cream of the crop when it comes to pitching. Not only did they trail in that game again, but who did they even the game against? Who did they tie it up against in the seventh inning? Excuse me, the eighth inning, Clayton Kershaw, another Cy Young Award winner, Obviously, there's the story of Kershaw in the postseason. We don't need to get into that, but we know he's a good pitcher. So Kershaw comes in. He's finished the seventh on four pitches. Fine. Comes out in the eighth. Two pitches, two home runs. Rendon, Soto, game tied. And not only that, uh, I was watching it live, and if you were watching it live, the momentum was just sucked out of the Dodgers, out of the stadium. There was nothing left for them. It felt like the Nationals had won, even though the game was tied. Fast forward to the 10th. Why Kenley Jansen wasn't brought in is just another discussion for another day. We've already talked about that. Howie Kendrick, though, grand slam. Nats move on, stun the Dodgers. The nation can't believe it. They move on. They face the Cardinals. And then the Cardinals series, I mean, we can fast forward because it was just sheer domination. You have two no-hit bids on the road deep into the game with Sanchez and Scherzer, and then they go home. They take two games, decisive sweep, move on. I mean, after beating the Dodgers, we weren't as surprised, but still the fact that they swept the Cardinals, who are still a very good team. Uh, people were surprised. They're in the they're in the World Series. We go over to the AL side. The Astros and Yankees go six. Uh, as a Yankee fan, I would like to just move on without talking about that series. That one still hurts. But anyway, the question going into the World Series was not only the fact that they were a big underdog, biggest since 2007, which was, of course, the Rockies versus the Red Sox, but the idea that would the rest harm them? They were done their series well before the Yankees-Astros ended, and they quickly put an answer to that, and they took two, not one, two games in Houston, which was a big deal. Uh, I was on the show last week talking about the fact that that was not expected. The goal, obviously, as a road team is to take one, take away that home field advantage. They got even more than they wanted. They took those two. But at the same time, again, last week, we talked about, me and Garve, the fact that this series is far from over. And this is another theme that was in the World Series is off days seem to really take the momentum out of both teams in this World Series. They win two in Houston. 
they take the off day, go back to D.C., and all of a sudden the momentum's shifted. The Houston Astros take three games on the road, which is unbelievable. And, of course, you have the picture come out where the, the Nationals were practicing the trophy ceremony, which is putting the cart before the horse. We all jumped on that one. Uh, seemed like a bad decision in hindsight, but whatever. Anyway, the Astros take three in D.C., so now the series is totally flipped. The Astros are taking it back home. They need one game out of two to win. But then what do we have? An off day. And the off day seemed to take this, the wind out of the sails of the Astros now. We go back to Houston. On the hill is Verlander versus Strasburg. And this is another thing we talked about last week. Justin Verlander has been pitted as this great postseason pitcher. And in the first two rounds, you can't argue. But he has not been good in the World Series. And now he loses game six and falls to 0-6 in seven starts in the World Series, which is the worst record for a pitcher with that many starts in the World Series. Now, I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer or anything, but we need to bring that into discussion next time we talk about him as a big game pitcher. Anyway, the Nationals, again, facing elimination, losing, win the game, fourth time, and Strasburg. Strasburg was the story. Improved to 5-0, and becomes the first pitcher ever to go 5-0 and in a single postseason run. Many pitchers, have, a couple pitchers have gone 5-1, and including Randy Johnson, but no one's ever gone 5-0. and Strasburg does it. I wanted him to finish the game. I don't know how many people agreed with me, but they take him out in the ninth. He goes 8-3. and a third. I mean, just dominant. Gets them out of so many tight situations, runners in scoring position. And they win the game and they force seven. And that's the biggest thing you can do there because then you go to game seven. It's a one-game sample. And it reminds you of the NFL playoffs because one-game samples, anything can happen. And so we move into game seven, and it's the fifth time the Nationals have faced elimination. And in this game, again, after a Yuli Gurriel home run earlier and they made it 2 nothing after that, they trailed for the fifth time facing elimination. But what happens? Off of Zach Greinke, we see Anthony Rendon hit a home run. Now, this is where the questions are going to come up about the Astros because they, after that, Soto walks. They decide to take Greinke out. Now, even Smoltz, if you were watching on the broadcast, said he's only really made one bad pitch to change up to Rendon. Why are we taking him out? He's only at 80-some-odd pitches. That's He's pitching the game of his life. They decide to take him out. And look, uh, of course, as sports fans, we're always going to play the result. I don't want to get into whether he should have been taken out or not because personally, I would have left him in. But either way, you have your game plan and you need to be able to trust your bullpen arms to get you there. The real question is why go to Will Harris? Because A.J. Hinch on the off day even said that Will Harris deserved the off day earlier in the week because he's pitched so much. You have Osuna that you could have gone to. And even Garrett Cole. I mean, it's game seven. All hands are supposed to be on deck. Is that Scott Boris just forcing his will and making it so Garrett Cole can't start and potentially risk his future in free agency? I don't know, but if you're going to take Greinke out, why are you going to a tired arm? I know you have your game plan, but it seems like you would go to a healthier arm there or just leave Greinke in. I don't know, but anyway, we know what happens after that. You get the Howie Kendrick shot down the right field line and just unbelievable. I was shell-shocked when it happened. I When it when they first hit the home run with Rendon, I was like, okay, they need to chip away if they're going to win this. Not only do they chip away, they just go ahead and say, yeah, we're going to take the lead from you, and they do it, and I was just stunned because not only that, they have Corbin coming out of the pen, and it looked like the Astros were just deciding, okay, we're not going to use Cole, and I favor Corbin versus the bullpen of the Astros in that scenario, and that's what happened. You see Corbin come in. Corbin pitches great. Astros don't score off him, and then you see the Nats tack on runs, big runs, because a two-run lead, I mean, 
they probably they ended up shutting it out with no runs, but it might be a different story if it's a two-run league, more pressure situations. They tack on more runs. They win the game. Again, five games facing elimination, trailed in all five, won all five. Unbelievable. This series is going to be full of things you might never see again. Uh, not only baseball, we've never seen in NHL, in NBA, in MLB, a series sport where the road team takes every game in a seven-game series. I mean, even going into game seven, people were like, it, it can't be a trend. It's just something that's happened. The Astros are going to correct it tonight. I mean, I don't. there's no way to explain it. It's just ba- that's why baseball's great. And so the series ends, and the first question on everyone's mind as soon as the series ends, who's the MVP? Who's the MVP? And they were talking about three people. In my mind, it was two. You can say Rendon, okay, I would give him more of an honorable mention. It was Soto or it was Strasburg. And I think you had to go with Strasburg. I mean, I he goes in game six with your back against the wall. He gives you eight and a third. He won two games in the World Series, which Garrett Cole didn't even do. He gave them two quality starts. I know everyone's going to remember Soto for the moonshot that he hit. And also, by the way, carrying the bat to first base was my personal favorite moment of the series, mocking Alex Bregman. But Strasburg deserved it. Like I said, 5-0, and only pitcher ever to do that in a single postseason. And he really was deserving of that at the end. And so that puts a wrap on the postseason. The only thing left is going forward. Uh, the Nationals obviously have Rendon becoming a free agent. And Strasburg, a lot of people might not know, Strasburg has the option to opt out now of his four years, $100 million remaining, and he is a Scott Boris client. So I'm going to say there's a very high chance he opts out because he's going to command a lot more than $100 million on the open market. But other takeaways from the game, the only things I have to say is starting pitching is not dead. Everyone wants to talk about, oh, all you have to do is get to the fifth and you can bring in flamethrower after flamethrower. We saw that debunked. We saw two great starting pitching staffs duking it out, which is what you want to see. I mean, from a sports fan perspective, what more do you want? You got a young superstar breaking out onto the scene. You got clutch hitting, not just home runs, but hitting with runners in scoring position. Great pitching, great fielding. It's awesome. And an awesome ending to a great postseason and a great series. Uh, And just a perfect way, in my opinion, to end a season. We have to move on, but the Washington Nationals, their first World Series win in franchise history. Let the celebration continue for National fans. But in the NBA last night, Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns got into a full-on brawl, which led to members of both teams getting involved. Here's a soundbite from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Blocked on the play. Wow! And look at this. Whoa! Embiid going at it with Carl Anthony Towns. And the bench is empty. My goodness. Wow. Well, obviously a lot to discuss there. Casey, let's go back to you on your thoughts. I mean, my thoughts are I loved it. It was awesome to watch. Listen, I know, oh, it's 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 a sport we're supposed to play it the right way. I mean, come on. The NBA, yeah, they're going to fine and there might be some suspensions. The NBA secretly loves this. They're getting publicity. Everyone's talking about, oh, did you see? No one's talking about, oh, did you see the T-Wolf Sixers game? What a battle. No, they're talking about, did you see Cat and Joel Embiid go at it? They're talking about the actual battle that happened. Yeah, the actual battle on the court. And, I mean, these guys have a history. But my favorite parts, quickly. I mean, Embiid getting out of the fi- out of the pile, immediately laughing. I mean, he couldn't have cared less. He's just messing around. He gets out, immediately goes, daps up Mike Scott, who was ejected last game, and 
they were talking on the Sixers broadcast. They said, I mean, if you're going to throw Mike Scott out last game for what he did, these guys are definitely gone, which was funny to hear because, of course. But Joel Embiid daps him up, which is hilarious. Immediately after being ejected then, starts shadow boxing, and then on his way out the tunnel is pumping up the crowd. The energy in the arena just on television sounded like a playoff energy. I mean, it was great. And I mean, how about Ben Simmons going with the rear na- naked chokehold on Carl Anthony Towns on the floor? I mean, if we want to talk going forward, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting a bigger suspension. Because, yeah, you, you see the fight and Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, who was the instigator, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, there's going to be that still photo going around the internet of Ben Simmons clearly with Carl Anthony Towns on top of him with his neck. I mean, I thought it was harmless the whole fight. It was pretty funny to see guys in suits because the coaches were trying to break it up, going flying. Uh, I really, I understand if they have to give suspensions, but I just really hope it's not long suspensions because I think we shouldn't punish too hard because, like I said, as fans, I mean, people want to see this kind of stuff. As long as it's not injuries and going into it like Malice in the Palace where it's going into the stands and it's getting out of control, I mean, let them go at it a little bit. But, I mean, the best part of the whole thing is if you followed it post-game onto social media, we know Joel Embiid's a big trash talker and he's had a history of trash talking Carl Anthony Towns. But, I mean, he took it to a whole nother level. I mean, you saw his post where he's calling out the fact that even Carl Anthony Towns' parents were flipping him off in the stands. And then he even brings an ats, Jimmy Butler, bringing him into it. And then he not only does it on his own Instagram, he goes on Carl Anthony Towns' post and uses multiple expletives to talk about how he feels about Carl Anthony Towns. And he even brings up saying, I know the full truth, but I won't spill it. I, in my opinion, I took that to mean Jimmy Butler told him what really he thought of Carl Anthony Towns and he knows. And so it just added a whole nother layer, which you have to love from the, from the saga aspect of this, from the drama perspective. But I mean, it was just great. Joel Embiid in pure troll form. Uh, he is perfect for Philly. I say that all the time, but I hope he never leaves because he should never change and always stay because he is Philly. I mean, he is Philly. Have you seen this guy? He acts like somebody standing in the Philadelphia stands and acting like a typical fan here. He just happens to be, you know, the best athlete in Philadelphia. But Joel Embiid, I mean, what a troll. He comes out of that fight and he's like, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see me do that? Oh, Joel Embiid, you got to love him. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. You should get it checked out. But anyway, we covered the fight. The Sixers, though, won last night's game to advance to 4-0. Casey, thoughts on the team? My thoughts are I'm not surprised. I mean, we talked about it last week. I said I think this is the best team in the East. And I mean, small sample, but they've showed it. I mean, especially defensively, first in the league in steals per game. And if you want to go advanced analytics, because I love my statistics, they're second in defensive rating, only behind the Jazz. So defensively, they are just doing exactly what we thought. When you add guys like Horford and Richardson and Thibel, who I'll get to in a second here, you're going to be a good defensive team. Now, my only concerns is offense. I mean, they're 15th, excuse me, 16th in the league in field goal percentage, 25th in three-point percentage. We knew they were going to take a decline of shooting after losing Butler and Redick, but I mean, I think they're going to need to start playing a little better offense, especially, I mean, at the very least, minimize the turnovers. I mean, if you watched that game last night, it seemed like in the first quarter, it was who's going to have more turnovers because it was, we'd steal the ball, immediately give it back. But all in all, they look great. I mean, the depth was shown last night because you see Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid leave, and we're clearly favored because of our depth. 
Uh, and then, like I said, getting into Thibel, he's been the one thing I want to talk about. Thibel, as a rookie, is leading the league in steals per game. I mean, he's been great. And at this point, because he's such a defensive-minded player, anything he contributes offensively is a plus. Uh, he had nine points last night. So he's been a real bright spot. I'm going to be anxious to see how he does going forward. And the other question that everyone has is how do you close games? We briefly saw that in the Hawks game. I mean, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid look good down the stretch. Uh, obviously, you're going to be having to close against better defenses than the Hawks, and it's, again, one game. But we'll see. But small sample size, they look good. Uh, I'm really, I have a really positive outlook for the team this year. Well, thank you for listening to the Garver Show. Both of these obviously occurred last night, so we wanted to push this bonus episode out for you guys. If you want to see more content from our writers such as Casey, check out SportsZone today. You can find all this and much more on there. And stay tuned for regular and bonus episodes in the near future. So guys, thanks for listening once again and take care.